0: Welcome to the For We Are Many podcast. My name is Rob.
1: And my name's Tricia.
0: My name's Josh. And uh, today we have with us the Minister of Culture of the New African Black Panther Party, Kwame Shakur, to discuss his new book, uh, My Search for Answers, Truth and Meaning. Welcome. Uh, we're I can't say enough how grateful we are that you're coming on to do this. Yeah, I appreciate y'all having
2: me on. Uh, definitely something that uh, uh, when I told uh, talked to you and you told me you had a book reading club, I thought this would definitely be a good idea to come on uh, before your group starts to read the book officially. And, uh, right. you know,
0: open up about it, what they're going to be getting into. Yeah, yeah. Um, you're already doing your book readings. Um, we were hoping to have you on before you started doing that, but hopefully we can get some uh, new people on there. You do those Monday and Thursday nights, right? Yeah, and it's going to be uh, from here on out uh, 7 p.m. Eastern time.
2: Uh, the okay. exact same link, we're going to use that uh, for the whole time uh, that we're going to be doing this, which probably has been about three months, because all I do is read one chapter and then open it up for discussion.
0: Yeah, I lo- I love that you have the uh, open discussion too. Um, you know, that way if anybody has any questions or like, you know, wants to like ask what you meant in a certain spot, you know, they they have the opportunity to ask you directly. Right. So um, that's pretty cool. And uh, we will have the link to the Zoom meeting in the video description uh, when we post this. So. Um, like I said, hopefully that gets you some, uh, some new faces in the zoom room. And, Absolutely. um, Thursday you did chapter one, which I, I missed the, uh, the prologue. I was working for that <laughs> one, but now I found my wireless <laughs> headphones so now I can just take those to work and pop it in before I'm <laughs> out. <laughs> um, but yeah, so, uh. Monday, you'll be going into chapter two. Do you do you want to talk a little bit about that, or is there a specific part of the book that you do want to talk about? Uh, I have a, a couple of uh, things in there that uh might be interesting,
2: but uh, chapter two is uh I and, and a lot of people might see this book is unique because I go from my well, the prologue starts with me catching the case, uh, my bank robbery case that I caught. Uh, and that was just to grab the attention of people. You dig know what I'm saying? That a wide people. <laughs> yeah, I wanted to really grab your attention to be like, man, let me see what this, how this plays out. You know what I mean? I ain't never uh, read about somebody did something like this. You know what I mean? And how did he become right. a revolutionary after living a life like this? You know what I mean? But Asada um, Shakur's autobiography was very inspirational to me on a lot of levels and one of her the ways they inspired this book is uh of how i go back uh like uh chapter one is my earliest childhood memories and stuff then uh uh, chapter two is uh when i go back to uh i'm in prison now after you just read about me robbing a bank in uh the prologue then in chapter three i go back to my school uh grade years and stuff you know what i mean and then i go back to prison you know what I mean? And this was a way to have two parallel stories being told at the same time. And right. it's also when you go back to the presence, you will see along the way how some of those contradictions even led for me even being sitting in a prison cell. You know what I mean? So right. uh I just thought that was very creative of how Sada Shakur wrote her book. And uh I told myself whenever I write my autobiography, I'm going to take that same type of uh, dynamic that she brought to it and weave together a story that eventually comes to a singular road of the present and by the time a person get there has been such a page turner because it's like you're reading two books in one book kind of you know what i mean right and on right. one chapter you get to the next chapter and you want to really get back to the the other chapter because you want to see how that last chapter just ended but then you realize if this new chapter you're reading you intrigued by on a whole nother level. So you want to keep on reading. So it was kind of just yeah. a uh, strategic way to maintain the attention of the audience.
0: Yeah. Yeah. That makes sense. And um, so far I'm really enjoying that um, about this book, which I mean, I'm like, I don't know a, l- a little bit into chapter three. I'm not too far into it yet, but yeah, um, I will be picking it back up tonight. Um, but I've been enjoying it so far and I, I'm interested to see how the stories come together into the present. Um, that, that makes sense. Uh, you know, like why it jumps kind of uh, like you said, you know, early childhood memories and then, you know, back to prison. I was wondering if that was kind of like, a. uh, What's the word I'm looking for? (laughs) I I was kind of wondering if that was like, you know, like just to give a little bit about who you were um, or or, you know, like if the story itself started at prison or not. But that answer is like, well, I guess, to be fair, chapter three kind of answers that question. Right.
2: (laughs) Yeah. So
0: chapter one. uh, uh, Well, chapter one uh,
2: starts off, like I said, with my earliest childhood memories. And uh I I, I I started it off in a way to uh, let people understand like I'm human just like you. like I had a regular upbringing just like you. I think a lot of people look at revolutionaries and especially the ones like when you look at history that stands out to you uh, we put them so much on a pedestal, but we don't realize because uh, how they even got to be uh, the great leaders that they became. you know what I'm saying? right and, uh i think the fact that uh i'm one of the belief that leaders is not born they're 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 made by their social conditions you know they we we might come uh uh come up uh uh have a life where we leaders in other ways like playing basketball or little groups in your community and stuff like that but that don't make you necessarily a revolutionary leader you know what i mean that's something right. that develops. That's something that comes about through a lot of social experiences that changes your ways of looking at things. Uh comes about by uh, you uh, uh taking on the time to self-educate yourself and uh question some hard, yeah. Hard that's questions That's the big one. Yeah mm-hmm. hard questions in life and being able to find proper resolutions to them, you know, cause some leaders uh uh, uh come to all kind of resolutions, but uh, you you know, a lot of us look at it but like, dang, how do you come to that conclusion right there? So you, you build a movement uh, based on uh, some idealist uh, conceptions that really came about just in your head that don't reflect reality. You know what I mean? Right. So for me, I also wanted people to take out of this book that reality is an important thing. You know what I'm saying? And uh, truth is a real objective material thing (laughs) you know uh we don't create our truths in in our minds sometimes we find out the world is very different than how we first uh uh assumed it was but then when we come to uh uh more information and start to see the bigger picture uh and you start to see what is the problem and solution as a leader i feel like it's important that you uh act accordingly and uh uh, your principles uh match the the end goal that you're trying to work towards but understanding it's a process it took a process for me to become who I am today and that's why like as people read through it they see that some some uh uh search for answers took 10 years <laughs> uh some answers are are still uh, unfolding because uh revolutionary organizing is a very a dynamic thing that is not you can't pick up a handbook and say this is the way you go about doing everything and if you do this you will succeed you know what i mean it's also well it's, I, I
0: i think we got something that's pretty close to a handbook what's that uh state and revolution <laughs> yeah yeah <laughs> but
2: just even that though no, the application of yeah. it, uh we can see that like even when we look at the uh, the Chinese and uh, their uh, experiment, or even the Russians and their experiment, uh, not everyone was really a communist. You know, what I mean, right, there was a lot right. that were Chinese nationalists and uh, uh, Russian nationalists and stuff like that, but never really internalized the ideals of of Lenin or internalized the scientific method of approach, like Mao Zedong explained. So, being able to really uh, grasp these abstract concepts and make them concrete in a tangible way where you can deliver it to the people and they can internalize it and make it into a force themselves. That takes a lot of uh, creativity, a lot of uh, being able to, well, I I think uh, Fred Hampton was one of my biggest inspirations because he always talked about people learn best through observation and participation. Sometimes you can't just lecture people, you gotta put them in a context where they internalize these ideals by the work they're doing, and then when you start to bring these ideals back to them, they're like, "Oh, okay, so this is why we're doing what we're doing. This makes sense." You know what I mean? Right. So right. Uh, that that takes uh, that takes uh, vision. That takes uh, understanding people, uh, how people internalize information, how people uh, go through those revolutionary transformations in themselves. Uh, we don't get there overnight. And, and so we have to have patience with the people as they
0: develop in that regard. Agreed. Well, I mean, hell, I, I can't speak for everybody, obviously, but I totally feel you on that, like, finding answers to questions 10 years later. Because, like, when I really started to question shit um, was right around the time of Occupy. That's why I went fucking down there, you know, like, um, and a lot of those questions didn't get <coughs> years or you know like listening to i don't know if you're familiar with grace lee boggs but she spoke at an occupy conference in detroit and uh like it it took me like literally like 10 years because it's been like 10 years uh some Mm. of the things that she said like you know as i'm sitting here pondering other shit you know just like oh fuck that's what she meant right you know, like and i mean it's it's kind of like shit that i thought that i grasped too you know right like, right like, and, and that goes back to what you said before right. that about how your your social conditions really shape who you are and what right. your beliefs are right yeah yeah and that even goes to
2: uh like i was speaking about last night in the uh book reading that goes from all the social institutions in society uh, uh informs our level of consciousness, you know, and I always like that quote by Karl Marx, he said, it's not one's consciousness that determines their scene. It's their social being that determines their consciousness. And what's that mean? The application is like, if you was raised in a household uh that was very, for instance, came up with a lot of religious indoctrination, that's going to be one of the first institutions that start to form your your, your consciousness, you know what I mean? Uh, mm-hmm. And then if you're put into like, for instance, a religious school or institution, uh, that's gonna deepen that, uh, uh, that level of awareness, uh, that level of consciousness that you have and how you perceive yourself in relationship to other people in the world in general. And then we have the institutions like uh, the media and public schools that uh, solidifies it in a lot of ways uh of our perception of what we think is reality and what we think is uh, life and how human beings is supposed to uh, uh what we did determine this is the key point what we determine is human nature you know what i mean is is formed in these institutions but we don't realize these all these institutions is tied to a particular error in the development of the productive forces uh in society so basically What I'm saying, depending on the social economic system that we come up in, we don't realize that that superstructure of the politics, the laws, the religious institutions, the social institutions, uh, the principles and values of that era is really shaped by how we organize labor to produce and reproduce uh, the uh, necessities of life. This is not something that you immediately grasp when you come in this world and you live life, it just comes to us as normal, you know what I mean? But if we lived in the age of slavery and stuff, uh, that was a different normal (laughs) because that social economic system organized people to reproduce uh, uh, the necessities life in a completely different way than capitalism, you know? So our views of ourselves uh, was reflective of those uh, uh, social relations that existed outside of the productive forces. You know what I'm saying? With, uh, yeah. Outside of the plantation that carried over into the society as a, as, as a whole. And I, I use this as a metaphor. It's kind of like uh, the matrix. <laughs> you know, when Neo uh, was approached by Morpheus and he said, "You, I'll give you the option to take this red pill or the blue pill. You know <laughs> what I mean? Well, political education is that red pill. And when you take that political education Once you start to stare at this social matrix, this social economic matrix, you start to really understand what the matrix is and and how it is kept you plugged into this level of consciousness that in a lot of times um, pits people against each other through racism, through sexism, through national (laughs) bigotry and uh, xenophobia. Uh, gender and homo, uh, 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 phobia dealing with the LGBTQ issues and stuff like that. but this is one reason again why I also wrote this book too is because <coughs> I, I noticed that a lot of leaders in history wrote political discourses you know that was very abstract was needed, very needed, you know what I mean but uh, went over the head over most of the masses, you know what I mean? So I had a, I was thinking of what is a creative way to teach people complex concepts in a deliverable way that it'd be in, uh, uh, digestible to the average person, you know what I mean? Because if you think about it, uh, a, a revolutionary movement such as, you know, the New African Black Panther Party and fighting for scientific socialism and eventually want to get a, to a communist world without states and boundary uh national boundaries and stuff like that those are complex concepts that is hard to deliver and convey to a population when uh we we wasn't given a proper education in the first place going through these uh school institutions so i figured by using my life is like uh a metaphor for other people and uh, use some of these contexts uh complex uh concepts and interweave them into my story in a way it would have those a lot more of those aha moments uh, for people to uh, make transformations in their level of consciousness a lot quicker than i did you know what i mean uh so that's one of the main goals of my book uh is trying to see if i can if if the the same type of transformation that i had undergone uh, will make it a lot easier for other people to make some of those same transitions to see those, uh, uh, answer those questions, uh, and have the information right there where they can even research. Uh, if I, if I named the book in there and I said, this is the book that transformed my way of thinking, well, Hey, maybe put up that book right there. And, uh, it would give you an even deeper insight of what I'm talking about and how I made that transformation. But I've tried to, uh, make that as a process that people see uh that i struggle with and so they see that the struggles that they wrestle with in their own lives is is something that we all wrestle with and nobody becomes a leader overnight it's something that we uh we we go through uh transformations and qualitative leaps to uh start to uh see the bigger picture of things
0: so like that that idea of kind of like showing the transformation was that influenced at all by like Soul on Ice by Eldridge Cleaver? Oh, uh, that's funny <laughs> that you say that. Uh, Eldridge Cleaver uh, is a
2: complex individual,
0: <laughs> to say the least. <laughs> to say the least. Uh,
2: like in the beginning, I I like Eldridge Cleaver as far as like his uh, being able to communicate and deliver. Uh, Uh, A powerful, inspirational speech, you know what I mean? But I I always had, uh, you know, my uh, ways of looking at Eldridge Cleaver uh, that I didn't really agree with uh, some of uh, his outlooks on life. I read his book in prison. Uh, I was kind of... uh, surprised to find out like how he saw women, uh, his relationship with women, and <laughs> uh, how he ep- uphold misogyny and uh, rape and stuff like that. Uh, but at the same time, I do look at uh, his contributions to uh, the original Black Panther Party before it started going down the wrong road. So, uh, one thing I, 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 it, I would to answer your question directly, I don't feel like I got any inspiration from uh, Soul on Ice. Uh, for this book uh, Any inspiration that came from this book Was really uh, if, if I talk about different books I say like I said Asada Shakur uh, Malcolm X Malcolm X uh, played a big influence I, I saw Malcolm X's uh, His autobiography Is a life of transformation You know what I mean uh, him, Yeah And I always saw that was The biggest lesson I took Out of Malcolm X is that Uh, education never stops, Uh, your transformation and how you look at the world should never uh, become stagnated. Uh, Even when you're incorrect, you should uh, own up to those uh, uh, moments in your life where you start to realize that you was actually on the wrong road and trajectory, you know what I mean, Uh, and own up to it in such a way where you educate the people so they don't go down that same road as you. So, um, you yep, Malcolm X autobiography had a great influence on me. Uh, I would say also George Jackson, uh, 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 the Soledad brothers, uh, had a great influence on me because these are two individuals that came out of prison. And uh, <laughs> I don't think you should say uh, they were any less capable of leaders than a person that, uh, uh, that came out of uh, college, you know what I mean, and became a great leader, or or became a revolutionary like Franz Fanon, who was a psychiatrist and took his educational background and used that to be a uh, uh, give understanding to the the revolution over in Algeria and stuff, uh, or Fidel Castro, who was a lawyer, uh, or or Ernesto, uh, uh, Che Guevara, who was a doctor, and transformed that education into a revolutionary education those uh individuals like george jackson and uh, uh and and uh malcolm x they came from a university too like they all both said they came from the university of solitary confinement yeah. <laughs> century, you know and uh i feel like i came out of that same type of legacy uh that they came out of so uh those probably what i would say was the biggest inspirations to this book besides fred hampton fred hampton is the pinnacle of my uh uh what 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 inspired me. And speaking about that, that kind of transition. If y'all want me to read a part in the book that talks about okay. that. So this uh this is in chapter I wanna say seven. No, chapter six, the shoe on page uh sixty nine. Okay. <clears throat> this was uh this 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 part that I'm about to read right here was really that fork in the road. That uh that when I look back in uh, retrospect, this is the time in my life that really put me on the trajectory of where I am now. Never realized that this is where it was gonna take me. Uh, all the type of people and different cities and states and revolutionaries and all kind of people it would introduce me to. Some of them that I even read about in prison or read documentaries about. But this right here was that turning point in my life that took me on this trajectory. So I'm gonna read it uh, again. This is chapter six, The shoot, page 69. It, it was around this time that I started really turning to books. Buddy initially piqued my interest while we were in general uh, population together. I had caught him coming back from the general library with a few books in his hand. Somewhat amused, I asked him what he was doing with these books. He said he was educating himself. That's when I learned that he was illiterate before he caught his case. When he was in the county jail, he taught himself how to read and write. Uh, Once he got to Wabash, he continued his self-education by reading books in the general library. I was impressed by him teaching himself how to read and write. But I didn't understand why he felt the need to read books about black history and black consciousness. To me, I viewed that as being becoming institutionalized. The way I view life at this juncture was that I, nobody could tell me anything in a book if they hadn't walked in my shoes, literally. All that black consciousness and black power shit I viewed as being subjects I had no interest in learning about. I didn't want to learn about our history because what I figured at that time was that we really didn't have any substantial history. always viewed our history as starting with slavery and ending with the Civil Rights Movement. At least that's what they implied in all the schools that I had attended growing up. Uh, Before I go on, I would say uh, Buddy was a friend of mine that I met in prison uh, when I first came down in prison. Uh, So uh, that's who I'm referring to when I uh, mention Buddy. Uh, And me and him became like one of my closest comrades. I'm still close with him to this day. Uh, but to go on, it says this unusual conversation with Buddy ended with him giving me a fictional hood book by Donald Goins. I think the book was Black Gangster. Initially, he tried to give me a black consciousness book, but I outright rejected that. I told him, bro, I'm not on none of that black power, of Islam shit, period. It, I wasn't trying to go to prison and leave drastically different than when I had arrived. I wasn't going to be converting to Islam, changing my name. Or wearing afros when i got out i thought all that shit was for the birds the only thing i was trying to do was survive prison and make it back to the streets one day that's all <coughs> after i read donald Goyne's book <coughs> i developed a thirst for hood books <coughs> when i uh brought that first book back to buddy and asked for another one he offered me another black consciousness book to read and like the first time he offered me one of those genres of books, I told him I was good and that I, that wasn't my cup of tea today, tomorrow, or in the next century. Instead of being too forceful, he relented and gave me another Hood book. This time he gave me *Pimp* by Iceberg Slim. After I read that book, I realized that pimpin' wasn't cool at all. In fact, Iceberg Slim made me look at pimping as one of the worst forms of modern-day slavery. Today, I still feel the same. Nevertheless, when I returned that book back to him and he offered me another black consciousness book, I relented. He told me since I liked all the other books he had given me, why not give this black consciousness book he was offering a chance to? Only took it because he said he wouldn't force any more on me if I didn't like the one he was giving me. I figured I would read this one book and then afterwards he would stop coming at me with this black power nonsense. I looked at the cover of it. Visions for Black Men by Naeem Aguilar. To my surprise, I began to read it. I noticed that the author was actually on to something. The premise of the book was to highlight the difference between men and males. Up until this time of my life, I had dismissed the need to read books. I viewed education as only as a passport to getting what society say I needed to get a good job and make a better life for myself. I didn't think anyone could understand my plight without literally walking in my shoes, uh, living in my shoes, literally. Now I was seeing that this brother who had never met me actually understood a lot about me from the words in his book. I saw a lot of myself in his illustration of how he defined a male. For most of my life, I thought being a real nigga meant that you had to get your money up, be able to fight, fuck as many women as you could and have the respect of the streets and your peers. He was showing me that was what males did. That simply li- They simply lived out their life through the power of their testicles. Being a man or a real nigga as defined by the streets placed the immature world outlook over a mature world outlook that gave preference to one's responsibilities, priorities, and accountability to their community bu- above all else. It meant becoming a well-rounded individual that always strived to better themselves over keeping up with the Joneses. What really stood out to me as I read that book is that a lot of guys in prison seemed to be males, not men. It didn't matter if they were 18 or 80. Some of them still had a male mentality uh, and not a true mentality of a well-grounded man. After reading that book, it made me start to look at books and self-education differently. Carter G. Winston once wrote in The Miseducation of the Negro. Philosophers have long conceded, however, that every man has two educators that which is given to him and the other that which he, he gives himself. Of the two kinds, the latter is by far the more desirable. Indeed, all that is w- most worthy in man, he must work out and conquer for himself. It is that which constitutes our real and breast nourishment. What we are merely taught seldom, uh, seldom nourishes the mind like that which we teach ourselves. By the time I got to the shoe, I was eager to start my self-education. I wanted to understand why the world was so fucked up and unfair. It seemed like my life was being controlled by unseen force. I just couldn't put a circle around what that force was. I didn't want to simply blame everything on the devil. I figured that he had a hand in it, but I felt there was a tangible mundane reason as well. I didn't really know where to start, where to start. But a friend of mine who was on 1200 range with me helped me in this endeavor. He sent me this Vita Wawa 2 book 11 journal that had three speeches by Fred Hampton. Before then, I didn't know anything about Deputy Fred Hampton Singer. I hadn't even heard his name before and really didn't know nothing about the original Black Panther Party. I had always assumed that they were the black version of the Ku Klux Klan. At least that's what a preacher on TV once referred to them as being. When I read the speech he gave in 1969 titled Power Anywhere There's People, I immediately took a like a strong liking to Fred Hampton. The fact that he was 21 years old when the government had, had assassinated him and I was 21 years old myself at the time, I could relate to him. Even though I was only reading his words, his words would have a powerful effect on me. I had been a rebel with a cause for a long time. When I came across Fred Hampton, it was it felt as if my cause had been introduced had introduced itself to me through his charisma. I never heard anyone speak like him, not even Malcolm X. At the end of his speech, he said, we in the Black Panther Party, because our dedication and understanding went into the valley, knowing that the people are in the valley, knowing that our plight is the same plight as the people in the valley, knowing that our enemies are on the mountaintop to our friends are in the valley. And and even though it's nice to be on the mountaintop, we're going back to the valley because we understand that there's work to be done in the valley. And when we get through with this work in the valley, then we gonna to go to the mountaintop. We're going to the mountaintop because that there's a motherfucker on the mountaintop that's playing king, and he's been bullshitting us. And we got to go up to the mountaintop, not for the purpose of living his lifestyle and living like he lives. We got to go up onto the mountaintop to make this motherfucker understand, goddammit, that we coming from the valley. I was impressed. I wanted to learn more about this unknown leader no one told me about, as well as the original Black Panther Party he was a part of. I learned in that Vita YY2 journal about the free breakfast programs that the original Black Panther Party had. I learned about the street organizations and how a number of them have worked alongside them. also discovered that the FBI had pitted other street organizations against the Panthers to disrupt the good work they were doing in the community. I hadn't heard about any of those things in the schools that I had attended growing up. I wonder what else they were hiding from me. I was determined from that day forth to study everything I could. I started realizing there was a whole lot they didn't tell me about during my formative education in school, or should I say, miseducation in those schools.
0: I like I like that a lot. Um, this, like that last line, the uh, miseducation in those schools. And... Uh, well, I was gonna interrupt you actually, but I I, I didn't want to interrupt you, so I didn't. But, um, <laughs> like that being the black version of the KKK is basically, all oh, right. I didn't. There we go. <laughs> being the black version of the KKK is basically the picture that was painted for all of us. Yeah. Through yeah. the media, through uh, fucking schools, through. Right. I mean, any pieces of documentaries you might see about the Panther Party, that's how they're portrayed. Yeah. Yeah. And, and, and coming from a black person
2: that thought the same thing, you know, what I mean, just shows you again how, uh, like I said, uh, it's our social being that determines our consciousness. You know what I mean? And because we came from the same instances, uh, generally speaking, in this same society, they all shaped our consciousness uh by us uh being a part of this social uh uh this this society and it shaped us to uh believe in the propaganda that get that the government had propagated against the original black panther party so it's it's not uncommon to find black people white people latinos anybody uh that had the same came to the same conclusions because we all was dealing with uh the same society that was uh shaping our, level of consciousness in, in this case miseducating us you know what i mean so it goes to show you that uh one of the most primary things is that in order to uh change the consciousness of a people you have to change the social institutions that make up their lives you know what i mean that's going to be able to inform their consciousness in a more constructive way
0: yeah josh you have any uh questions you've been awful quiet over there bud <laughs> I have a few comments I, I
3: really uh, agree with uh, like personally in my life Malcolm X's autobiography played a big part in how I think how I see things and I read that as a kid you know once I got older like you, you said it takes years to to get some of those concepts that you're you, you read in these books you know over the years I, I've, I've seen that myself and uh, also to what you just said, um, the Black Panther Party. You know, the, the I guess the FBI—they—they they were the ones who propagated all the the bad things about it. And up until probably about four or five years ago, I thought all those things until I really started um, looking into it. You know, and and I guess my first foray into into that was a uh, Tupac. You know, because I know right. Tupac's mom yeah. was, was a
2: Panther. Yeah right and that's
3: how i finally figured out you know (laughs) these guys they 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 were they were for the people
2: you know right right yeah and it's funny you say that because tupac had a big influence on me too uh uh and not only is he a reason for uh him and Asada shakur is the reason why i put shakur uh for my last name i don't bring tupac up in there in my book about that reason but that's one I could throw in there as a caveat. I talk about outside is the score is uh, one of the reasons, but Tupac was just like you. Again, that think about this, our social being within this same con- social construct, this society, these institutions, they informed us, me and uh, Josh consciousness, to see what Tupac was saying. It was like, man, let me look into the Black Panthers and stuff, let me give them a try because I remember Tupac said. They was the shit, you know what I mean? And I fuck with Tupac, so you know, it's the same with me too, though. Like, Tupac was another reason why I even gave the Panthers a reading, you know what I mean? He's precisely why I did
1: too. Like, I grew up with his music, and when I started hearing about Asada and her involvement, I'm like, wait a fucking minute. That's Tupac's hand. Let me read up some more on this.
2: Right, you know, right. Wait
1: a minute, all this shit I've been told in school is bullshit? you Right,
2: <laughs> right. <laughs> Yeah, it's funny though. Like all of us come from different backgrounds, different regions and everything like that, but we had the same type of influence and the same way of looking then at this. And then also even the reasons why we started to look into it is the same, you know, like uh and then, and, and and but think about this. What if we had started off life with social institutions that had already prepared us to understand history, to understand right. our real place in history, to understand the struggles that our people struggle with to free us. You know what I mean? If, if we would have been able to deal with these complex concepts at a younger age, we would have been able to make these transitions a lot quicker and been mm-hmm. able to contribute a lot more uh, even at this given time uh a, a period in history. You know what I mean? And, yeah. and, and, and it seems like wow, it's a no brainer, but what is standing in our way? It's the same institutions that lied to us that took made us take this long to figure all this out. You know what I mean? That stands in our way, you know what I mean? So uh, I think the more we become conscious of these type of things, then we understand like at the end of the day, and I talk about this later on in my book uh, that the state will never, the capitalist state will never uh, be in our best interest. It will always right. figure out ways to lie, deceive us and keep us divided, you know what I yep. mean? Uh, But it's for us, the people, no matter the ethnicity, no matter their place in the world, their gender, their sex or whatnot, that we have to understand that we are our own solution. And that's what the main thing I want people to take away from when they read my story is that once I started to realize what the problem is and put a circle around the solution. That's when I uh, be, uh, stop being criminally minded and being destructive and, and a force in the community that this government always say they want they want somebody to stop. Uh, they want to stop crime. They want to stop this. They want to stop that. But do they truly want to? Because when a person becomes uh, like us, we become even more of a bigger threat in their book because now we can expose the truth. Mm-hmm. <laughs> now right, we, right. They don't like that. Yeah, and now we 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 recognize our, our 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 solidarity and our commitment to liberate the people, the same people that they've been for years keeping divided through white supremacy and sexism and racism and wars of imperialism and fighting fighting our brothers and sisters in different countries because their governments doing the same thing to them. They're lying mm-hmm. to them, miseducating them, and telling them all the Americans. <laughs> people they're this evil people and then we're there our government uh, this government over here and these institutions saying the same thing about them but we've been playing like ponds as they've been uh becoming more wealthy over our blood sweat and tears and all the wars that they push us out to be uh cannon fodder for uh fodder for you know what i mean so we it's our responsibility to teach each other and educate each other You know what I mean? They're not going to do it. Asada Shakur said, uh, we should never, uh, and I'm paraphrasing, we should never think the oppressor would give us a a level of education that's going to actually liberate us. (laughs) Right. And she's right. Mm -hmm.
0: That's
1: literally the shit they redact from the education system. Is anything that can inspire revolutionary thought?
0: Well, look yes. at the backlash from conservatives on fucking critical race theory, or as right. most of us call it, history. History, history. <laughs>
2: <Yeah>.
0: <laughs> absolutely, and and even the stuff that they do
2: tell us about is so watered down. Like uh, uh, Martin Luther King, somebody I struggled with over the years. I had good feelings about some of the stuff, but then at at other times, I just like I just can't feel like why he thought this. Wade was going to somehow bring us all together in a kumbaya moment, moment. But then I started to realize when I went to prison and started to read about uh, Martin Luther King, I was like, man, this dude was a lot more militant than they told us about. <laughs> yeah. Oh, yeah.
3: He's, he's been whitewashed.
2: Whitewashed. Yeah. Uh, and, and, and the fact they got a holiday for him and streets named after you uh, and they and even politicians like Barack Obama and even, I think even I think I even heard Donald Trump uh, quote Martin Luther King before. You know what I mean? Our oh letter- yeah,
0: but for Trump it was all you know like oh oh nonviolence is the answer. You know, like- <laughs> right,
2: right. But Sunshine all them- and rainbows. <laughs> yeah, right. but all of these people have co-opted our our leaders and and watered them down so it will water down our level of consciousness and what we're supposed to be fighting for today but Martin Luther right. King uh uh and this goes back to like the Rainbow Coalition. The Rainbow Coalition was the height of the Black Liberation Movement. No matter how much people want to undermine that legacy and it's often right. been uh written out of history. You find that only in footnotes and stuff like that, but that was actually the greatest thing that came out of the Black Panther Party. You dig what I'm saying? But when you yeah. see where that came, uh 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 the forerunner of that before the Black Panther Party uh, uh, started the Second Rainbow Coalition, you got to pay homage to Martin Luther King with the Poor People's Campaign. You know what I mean? Because this was a qualitative leap in his understanding that it's not about civil rights uh, anymore. It's about human rights and class struggle. You know what I'm saying? Mm -hmm. And this is when he started to criticize capitalism. This is when he started talking about uh, capitalism is a byproduct of of militarism. He was a big opponent against Vietnam war. And then he started to realize we have to uh he started to realize that he might even make mistakes uh with the integrationist uh, approach to it because he see that uh capitalism you what what does it mean to integrate into a white supremacist capitalist imperialist mm-hmm. system? That mm-hmm. means that you just want to be equal with rich white supremacists and have the ability mm-hmm. to exploit people just like they're doing. That's uh moronic.
1: Yeah. yeah you want to wear the boot and, instead of having it on your neck
2: right right <laughs> <laughs> and so and so that right there just shows why they even assassinated this uh man because once he got outside of okay we're just gonna fight for a civil rights and voting rights but now he's like no nope, i think the system is uh is is uh is the problem? <laughs> Capitalism yeah. is the problem. <laughs> Imperialism is the problem. Uh, we need to unite uh, across uh all these demographics and stuff and, and push this poor pain. You know what I'm saying? They just like, oh hell no! Nah, you uh got too far in <laughs> the pocket it's now. A real so threat we, now. We got, right. Yeah, we you <laughs> too much of a threat. And, and you had to, to know, find that stuff. So. <laughs> yeah, and and think about this. With and, and uh, hopefully, in our newsletter, uh, our newsletter, just to let everybody know, is going to be coming out in the Rainbow Coalition very soon. Uh, we'll be posting that to our page. We also got the second Rainbow Coalition Facebook page, so check us out on there. Uh, but one of the articles I think one of the comrades is going to be putting in there, and this is a professor as a professor of uh, history and imperialism and stuff like that. He's going to speak about the Bacon's Rebellion, the Bacon's Never heard of Rebellion, that. huh?
0: i said i've never heard of it
2: this but like this the second rainbow coalition the poor people's army uh poor people's campaign that martin luther king did and what Fred Hampton did with the first rainbow coalition you can't really understand how much of a threat they were until you go back in almost 400 years back to 1676 uh nathaniel bacon uh, he led a uh, rebellion, just to uh, speak about it in, in a very condensed way, real quick, in summary. Uh, he was a part of the aristocracy, but at this time, you had black slaves and you had white indentured servants. You know what I'm saying? And it was normal for white people and black people to live together, the, uh, even intermarry and stuff like this around this time, uh, because the master, the land class, they profited off of both of their labor. You know, what I mean, that's all they saw lower class white people as labor and lower class black people as uh, 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 the slave and the indentured service is a way to increase their wealth. You know what I mean? But what Nathaniel Bacon did, he was mad and his reasons for doing this is not something that we align uh, ourselves behind. But we see the result of what happened, of what he was doing and the implications of it. He united the white indentured service and the black slaves because he wanted to expand the territories into the native uh, uh, indigenous uh, uh, territories and stuff where the ones <coughs> in, in Jamestown, the governor of Jamestown and all those aristocrats, they didn't want to do that. They wanted to uh, be more conservative at that time. So what he did, he united them and he started to, uh, to overthrow that ruling class <laughs> in Jamestown using black slaves and white indentured servants united against the elite, uh, elite. you know what I mean? And they actually yeah. uh, were successful in ransacking Jamestown, bringing it to its heel and uh, overthrowing that government. The government uh, uh can end up dying uh, mysteriously from like a flu or something like that. So they lost their leadership and uh, the ruling elite end up coming back and repressing that slave uh, revolt an uprising that he led you know what i'm saying and from there is where we get white supremacy because they saw the elite starting to realize we have to institute uh in this society a white supremacist uh way to keep the black uh population and white population forever separated so they gave a lot of concessions to white people at this time they made them like for instance uh uh, slave chest uh, uh, overseers and, uh, chasers. And, um, they also gave them different, uh, incentives and stuff, uh, where they would, they felt more part and inclusive into society. And then they relegated the slave trade just to black people, you know, now no longer white people was in the same condition as black people on that plantation. You know what I'm saying? And right. so these laws start <clears throat> to uh, be passed in all those colonies over there on the East Coast. And this is how white supremacy became institutionalized in this country. So for movements like the Poor People's Campaign and the uh, Second Rainbow Coalition, First Rainbow Coalition, we're doing something that they had tried to prevent from doing ever since 1676. We're uniting black and white people. We're uniting the lower class people of seeing their commonality Instead of being pitted against each other. You know what I mean? Right. right so right. this has always been a threat, the biggest threat to their system. So anybody that's ever advocated this, Martin Luther King, anybody that advocated this, Fred Hampton, the government quickly felt like they had to eliminate. So uh with that said, we're we're under no illusion that uh uh that they see us as a threat. Uh they already banned my book <laughs> already in all Indiana prisons. And yeah. this book just came out, you know what I mean? And the reason why they said they banned it, they said uh, because uh, back in 2020, I did a quote unquote gang summit where I was trying to bring, I brought some of the uh, leaders from the sixties of those gangs, uh, uh street organizations. I, I, I like to call them street organizations with a little respect, cause I understand their history and what they was uh, really trying to put together back then. But some of their leaders like Benny Lee, he was the chief, uh, youngest chief of the vice lords uh, back in the days. Uh, Ike Taylor, he goes all the way back with Larry Hoover when they was like eight years old or the eighth grade or something like that. And uh, Melvin Lamb, he was one of the Black Peastone stone uh, generals. And I brought them to Indianapolis to tell the people in the community that if you represent this stuff right here, it's not about gangbanging, It's not about selling dope. It's not about killing people. These same three people I just named has been friends ever since the 60s. So why are y'all out here killing yourselves based on colors or neighborhoods or drugs and gangs and stuff like that, when these individuals has always been talking about uh, um, uh, unity? Uh, They had a movement back in the the 60s called LSD. A lot of people don't know this, but when Martin Luther King came to uh, Chicago, uh, he used the Lord Stones and Disciples as his uh security. You know? Wow. Yeah. <laughs> he Dang. actually lived in the same neighborhood, 15th in Hemlin, which is uh right over in the heart of the Vice Lord Territory. He felt the most safest in the Vice Lord Territory because they had protected him. They had institutions over there, like they had their uh Teeny Town, the uh they had their uh uh, uh uh clothing stores they had their little uh recreational place uh y'all might have seen uh 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 Martin Luther King playing pool one time in Chicago well that was in the Vice Lord's neighbors uh Vice Laura's neighborhood uh uh, uh 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 community center <laughs> you know oh, what wow. I mean? a lot of people don't wow. know that but this part of the history was written out you know that uh, about the street organizations working with People like uh uh Martin Luther King and then Fred Hampton. Fred Hampton uh, brought a lot of those streets together. It's is depicted in that movie, Judas and the Black Messiah. You know what I mean? But this is the reason why they try to ban my book because they said, and and mind you, this is Indiana Department of Correction. It has nothing to do with what goes on outside of prison. So this had to be people downstate and like the government's uh offices. They told the the uh, Department of Corrections Commissioner, "Hey, this book right here, we're banning that, and I don't want y'all to allow this in the uh, in the, in our institutions in the prisons." But think about this: I'm also I was trying to do the same thing too, in a different context, uh, like what Fred Hampton and Martin Luther King was doing. Bring these street organizations together to start addressing the real problems in the community, because these are the people that's actually in a, a community that could become the problem. Or they can become the solution. And right. because we're actually reaching the people that can make a real difference in their community, they was like, oh, hell no. Nah. We don't want that to happen. Well, I mean, let's,
0: like let's be realistic, though. These people are just trying to fucking survive. And, I mean, Bobby Seale talked about that quite a bit in his book, uh, Seize the Time. <laughs> uh, and he looked at it much the same way. These people can either be the problem or the solution. Right. Um so I, I think that going back even to the Oakland, you know, like the original chapter, um I, I think that they always kind of had that mentality, yeah, and,
2: and you got to take in consideration, I understand it too. <clears throat> think about uh Buncey Carter Bunchy Carter was the leader of the South Soons uh, South Soon, uh, street gang out of California. He brought his whole street organization into the Black Panthers. You got to think about. Jose Cha Cha Jimenez with the Young Lords. They started off as a street uh, uh, organization as well, but then they became political once they started to see what the Black Panther Party was doing. When Jose Cha Cha met Fred Hampton locked up and stuff like that, and and they started to come together. Uh, Also, High Thurman, who is one of our elders to this day. You know what I mean? Uh, They was uh, a, that was a white street organization. They call themselves uh, the Peacemakers and Goodfellas and stuff like that. But they started to realize, like, man, we want to become more politically involved, like how these other organizations are doing. And they transformed their street organization into a political force. That's what their fear, uh, fear is, because street organizations have the capacity, not only because it already has a social base in the community, you know what I'm saying? But it can transform that social base (laughs) in such a political way where it can connect the people to a larger purpose and movement that can actually address the problems in their community. And that's one of the things that the government always looked at as being a threat, because when the Black Panthers and the young lords, young patriots actually did things that the government, with all the trillions and millions and billions of dollars they have, couldn't do. And they said, uh, made all these campaigns and showed they couldn't uh, actually accomplish, but the Black Panthers could do it. The Brown Berets could do it. The American Indian men, uh, Movement can do it. The White Panthers could do it. The Young Lords, the Young Patriots, but y'all can't do it. Then people start to realize we are our own solution. That's what they, there's the biggest threat. They don't want us to see ourselves as the solution. As long as we stay dependent on them and we put all of our faith in them, then they can control us. You know what I mean? Like puppeteers. That's what they see as the biggest threat. They see this is about to end once we become conscious uh, and start to unite in solidarity to start really addressing the issues in our community.
0: Yeah, well said. Right. Yeah, that's been um, another... I just totally lost my train of thought. I'm so sorry.
2: <laughs> uh, you fine? What? What? You got a uh, question for me, Tristan?
1: Um, I'm just kind of curious to learn more about your experiences there, between, you know, the gang life and what you experienced in jail. And are there any highlights you'd like to tell us of, like those revolutionizing moments? like what really fucking made some shit snap. Right, right.
2: Uh, <coughs> it was a couple of uh, situations uh, <coughs> that made me uh, start to realize, uh, like for instance, uh, I went to Michigan City, which is Indiana State Prison. We all call it Michigan City. Uh, that's uh, in Northern Indiana. Uh, and they put me on administrative segregation, which is basically Uh, form of segregation, but I can still order commissary and stuff (coughs) that I would otherwise be able to order in population, general population. Well, uh, by by the time I got to uh, Michigan City, this is like in 2003 all the way up to uh, 2006 that I was on this unit uh, uh, pretty much. Uh, One of the things I was trying to uh, do is apply the stuff I was reading. So, yeah. at one point, uh, and I talk about it in, in my book uh, uh, when I talk about Indiana State Prison or one of those chapters around there, uh, I had a library in my uh, cell. Uh, this is before they start banning all the Black Panther books, Malcolm X books, Martin Luther King's book. And you can't get that. You know what I mean? A lot of prison, you still can't get uh, anything on Black Panthers, Martin Luther King, Franz nine and stuff like that. Uh, but I had a large library, but I started connecting with other people around my same age that was doing the same thing or trying to learn the same thing. I was learning and coming to the same position and realizing how much the Black Panther Party really transformed our community. So we started a communal library where everybody write down their names of their books that they had in their sales. And we compiled a whole list amongst a number of individuals uh, on this unit. And then we passed it around to people uh, uh, on this unit, and uh, allowed them to select uh, books out of our library. You know what I mean? So, like this, the
0: people's library.
2: The people's yeah. library, yeah.
0: Fuck so, yeah,
2: yeah. And this was a way to educate, uh, you know, uh, ourselves to teach ourselves and to realize like this ain't about rehabilitation. So we got to reply, uh, build, have uh, uh, have a, have a uh, space to really rehabilitate the brothers that come in here so they don't come out and go back to society the same way they came in. So that that was one of those uh, transformative things that I started to realize. uh, At this time, I started to really connect even more so with the street organizations. And uh, we started to really build uh, a lot of unity. I realized if I could connect with people that had influence or was a leader or a shot caller of their particular organization, they gave me a lot more clout amongst their group, you know what I mean? And I could get them to be influential and uh trying to get some order uh uh amongst the prison population, you know what I mean? And I talk about that uh in there, uh how we uh started organizing different things. Sometimes uh and, and, and I and I keep it all the way real in my book, uh uh understanding that prison is a violent culture <laughs> you know what i mean and i talk about uh some of those uh times that we was trying to get rid of the people in our uh, uh uh tiers that was always working with the police you know what i mean uh i i even talk about how even the drug dealers in prison at this polit- particular prison they had drug rings that the co's were leading like like mafia type of rings and stuff that the COs led you know what I mean the captains the lieutenants I even talk about when the uh I want to say the state police raided that prison one time and broke up uh a lot of these rings and uh rest uh arrested uh, uh, a lot of those officers and stuff like that uh but I realized that a lot of stuff that I formerly only saw on TV, I realized if we only way we was gonna get control of the prison population, we had to get rid of those people that work with the pigs. You know what I mean? Uh, get them off our units and start to try to build some real solidarity amongst uh, each other uh, because uh, in order to change some of the ways of uh, the, the prison culture, you got you to get, you get rid of the ones. And when I say get rid of them, we was trying to get them off of that unit. Y'all can go to check in, Whatever. Sometimes we beat them up, <laughs> you know, but I was more so the type of person that I wanted to give you opportunity to leave off this unit because we know that you're working with them and uh, you can leave peacefully right now and nothing will happen to you. Because the main thing is was I wanted to build solidarity and a new culture within the side of the prison and start to really finally address some of the issues that uh, uh, before people got out of prison, you know what I mean? So that that was uh, one of the highlight moments i felt like i learned a lot uh i still i'm still in touch with some of those people that remember that time and every time i see them they be like man you remember when we was on d east over in michigan city man we was really coming together and you know what i mean so right. but those are different teaching moments that i took from that experience and took it out here for me to even unite with people like Benny Lee. You know what I mean? Like you can watch a documentary on the Vice Lords uh, I think that's on Gangland or something like that that Benny Lee is on. Uh, uh Ike Taylor and Melvin Lamb. To connect with these big people that i watch watched documentaries on in prison and, and call them my friends my mentors and comrades and have their help of trying to help build some unity. Uh, it's one of those lessons I took from prison. Fuck yeah.
1: That's what's up. That's something that needs to really resonate with people, too, because, you know, there is such a great opportunity here for unity with so many people. And right. it's just a matter of flinching them. <laughs> Oftentimes that's all that takes is engaging them and talking with them about life experiences that have been radicalizing, you know?
2: Right. Of
1: like, wait a minute, look at this, we're stronger together. And yeah, you gotta weed out motherfuckers, whether they be snitches or Nazis or any other form mm-hmm. of threat against the fucking community, you yeah. know? Um, you know, like if somebody's a, a threat, guy, <laughs> you know? Right. Uh, red flag on the playing field. But anybody right. else, <laughs>
2: you know? <laughs> right, right, right. Absolutely. Yeah. And and, and and because you brought this up, this is one of the ironies that y'all will find in this book, too. I, I, I started to, uh, in prison. There's a lot of white supremacist organizations. But the difference between in prison and out here is that in prison, you actually can sometimes work with them when they have a us versus them mentality with the guards. And that's one of the right. ironies that I found. And this goes back to being scientific, uh, when you talk about Marxism, Leninism, Maoism and stuff. You know what I mean? And understanding social conditions. Yeah. Social yeah. conditions <laughs> change. Like yeah. in prison, I can work with some of them groups. Outside of here, I'm not working with none of them groups. But I, I, I think like the White Panthers can, cause those are different social conditions. Whereas um, uh, uh, some of the ones like High Thurman, I'll use this as an example so you understand where I'm going with this. High Thurman and them were, were lower class white people. They came from the South, uh, from Tennessee and they migrated to uh, Chicago, uptown, mm-hmm. you know what I mean? And uh, they was big on the Confederate flag. <laughs> Like the Confederate flag symbol was a part of their culture, heritage, and they they, they stuck to it hard, you know what I mean? But one thing that uh, Fred Hampton and Bobby Lee saw in them is that they were lower class white people that didn't realize that at the end of the day, y'all have more in common with uh, the uh, Black Panthers and the Young Lords than y'all yeah. could ever do with the state. And they were yeah. resisting against the state, you know what I'm saying? They was mm, fighting man. against the state. So these are lo- times where we can look at social contradictions on an individual basis and see that this group has the potential of revolutionary potential versus a real outright fascist neo-Nazi group. You know what I mean? They were right. just uh, a white group that's, that uh, came, uh, their social being <laughs> was uh was was nurtured in the same way that everyone is under this white supremacist culture and stuff and they had those uh connections to that symbol of confederacy and stuff but because the panthers was applying their dialectic materialism and looking at the fact that these are different from a nazi group they're a different uh strand of of even their level of uh of their racism where they could actually counteract that and turn it into its opposite. You know what I mean? So they right. were able to bring them into the rainbow coalition and eventually they dropped the, uh, the, uh, the Confederate flag all together. Now, this is not a, to say that, uh, uh, the, that the proud boys is going to be like this because I think that's more mm. so a Nazi type of ideology. You know what right. I'm saying? And uh some of those groups, that's different. You know what I mean? Some of them people is like they drunk the Kool-Aid and, uh, <laughs> you know, going out <laughs> our way to try to convince all of these individuals sometime. And it, it would just lose. It'd be a waste of time. And, and it's better. Yeah, yeah, we best serve our time. We're connecting with white people in our community that is on the fence, that can identify with this struggle that's looking at the poverty situation, looking at how the government is oppressing us and stuff like that. And we can win some of them over, you know what I'm saying? But we have to be understanding those nuances and differences. And those are different social conditions that can be played upon. But I just wanted to bring that up because I thought that was something I learned too uh, in prison that um, a lot of white people, even the ones that do have racist upbringings or racist ways of looking at things, not all of them really can be put into that fascist ideological camp. Sure. You know what I mean? Uh, and A lot they of can, them be won- can be
1: radicalized. Fuck yeah. look, look at what Daryl Lamont Jenkins is doing with the One People's Project. Um, he's out there doxing Nazis, but the ones who come to him, like, yes, I'm ready to leave, he helps yeah. them leave and unfuck their minds. Like, like, let's get you the fuck away from this entire cultural fucking influence going on here, (laughs) you know? Um, Because that does fucking happen. Um, I know somebody who was raised by a very hard fucking core Nazi family. And when he came into adulthood, he was like, you know what? Fuck this shit. I want nothing to do with that. Right, right. He, you know. (laughs) That in himself to even contemplate, let alone agree with that type of shit and was like, no, I'm going to raise kids different, you know, and now he marches with BLM and things like that instead. So, you know, that is possible to yank people the fuck out of that, you know, entire
2: institutionalized way of thinking that leads people towards that fascist shit. Yeah yeah and it's and i get a lot of i i even remember a lot of uh, white people used to ask malcolm x so what can i do that right there is one thing i love about high thurman because he recognizes the same thing we do like racism is not a white uh like trying to combat white supremacy head-on in the white community that's not the responsibility of the black community the latino community the chicano community right that's
1: that's a white people's problem.
3: <laughs> and you you gotta put it in uh, a way that uh, can um, you hear uh, me? The wit
0: yeah. yeah. You gotta put it in uh, a way that they'll listen off. to as well. Uh,
2: my camera went off.
0: I'm sorry. What was that, Josh?
3: I said with with uh, these com- with white communities with people who um, who aren't exactly on your side you have to uh, be put it in ways that they'll understand and that won't scare them because they're brainwashed uh, to hear certain words and go crazy off hearing those words. And I, yeah. I grew up in an area like that with, with racist people, which, you know, thank God I, I had an aunt that, you know, she, she told me about, about uh, uh, Martin Luther King Young and, you know, I had the internet, so I didn't turn out like, you know, some of these older generations. So right. I mean I, I guess now it's a little easier for people, um, especially kids to to not be so caught up in the in the racist stuff that they're around. Right.
2: Absolutely. Easy, hey, you. can y'all uh click your camera on and and, and off and then on again? Because I got a phone call that messed up the Oh uh might... get that to load again. Okay, yours okay, yep.
1: There you go. Just
2: rob. <laughs> click uh click your phone, uh your camera off and then back on.
1: Yeah, when you pop back in, I could see
2: you, but Yeah, I, 19, I see I see you uh Josh and Trisha now. I don't see Rob still. Huh.
0: That's weird. Still You're, You're invisible.
2: <laughs> 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 yeah, I guess when you get a phone call, it just messes up everything. <laughs> Yeah, damn uh, But yeah, I totally agree. Uh, who was who that, Rob or Josh that was just saying that?
3: That was me. It was Josh.
2: Yeah, yeah, and I totally agree. Uh, and 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 I think, like, one thing High Thurman, uh, and even talks about it in his book, High Thurman, just think about this. It's easier for people that came up in that lifestyle to be able to relate to somebody else that can understand what uh uh how they was brought up you know what i mean and be able to tap in and to uh help them see the errors of their thinking you know what i mean Uh, Mm um but for some people just because uh uh in this culture it keeps uh blacks and, and and whites and uh chicanos and uh us divided uh it's harder for people to really hear uh what another demographic, ethnic demographic is coming from. But I think it's easier for people like us that has uh, certain upbringings to hear that from their own people and for them, their own people to uh, really help them deal with those contradictions. You know, I mean, it's just like, for instance, in uh, the street organizations. I don't think a white person coming in a black neighborhood trying to take uh, gang uh, people that was former gang members and make them political, I don't think that's gonna be as well received, you know what I mean? But coming mm-hmm. from another black person in their community that can relate to that, you know what I mean? And speak to them on a level that they can relate to, there is
3: a... I think we lost sound.
2: Yeah, I got a lost Can y'all hear me again?
0: Yeah. We
2: can hear you, but we can't but now, see you. Now we can't see uh, you. You probably gotta hit the, uh, the camera again.
0: <laughs> oh my god. Now we can hear you. I heard him. Yeah. And you Trish it, and Rob.
1: Well, I see Kwame's lips moving but I don't hear anything.
2: Okay, uh hit the uh camera again, Trish. Tell her uh to turn off our camera and turn it back turn it on. Off.
1: I can Now I can hear you. <laughs>
2: can you <see laughs> okay, now? for some reason, I guess only <laughs> three people can see each other at one time and the last person that does that uh is now uh blacked out <laughs> <laughs> what
0: if what if I try changing the view do you see everybody now
2: well I see her box it's just uh it's just uh it's blacked out now yeah I think uh now uh, next time I'm just gonna uh have to uh put my phone on do not do not disturb or something <laughs> fair enough <laughs> but yeah uh were you talking yeah. about
3: um oh, I'm sorry go ahead oh uh were you talking about Hyde's book uh revolutionary hillbilly yeah
2: yeah
3: i'm actually reading that too along with your book oh
2: wow wow and hey, wait till you get to the uh back of it when you read the white panthers uh uh, what they had eleven point program, very, very revolutionary. You know what I mean? Very revolutionary. I think it's I, a page I think, runner, uh, just like your book. Yeah, yeah, I liked it. Uh, yeah, how how was the uh, turn me on to it? I read, I think I read that day, uh, book in probably about a couple of days. <laughs> I was like, yeah, <laughs>
0: <laughs> hell yeah. Yeah, which um, I mean, that being said, you you've been talking to Hi, haven't you, Josh?
3: Yeah, just a, a little bit here and there. He, I think he actually lives near me. I live in uh, North Alabama, oh, and man. I believe he's. Yeah, I believe he lives right, probably like just about ten minutes down the road from me. Yeah, oh, I really relate with his story as well because I, I'm from Eastern Kentucky, so I'm from yeah. the same type of area that he he came from. Yeah. Uh, originally and I you know I had to leave probably for about the same reason he had to leave where he was from for jobs and for better mm-hmm. opportunities because there, there wasn't nothing yeah. back home you can either you know work in a grocery store or a gas station or sell dope that's about it right
2: <laughs> yeah he's uh how far are you from Huntsville I live in Huntsville actually oh, well you right there you right there <laughs> <laughs> yeah. <laughs> yeah uh man I gotta I, I definitely uh I, I got your phone number, Donna. Mine? Yeah.
3: I don't think you do, but I I can I can DM it to you.
2: Okay, yeah, do that. I'm gonna I'll link you up with hi. I think yeah he'll, he'll love to uh uh work with you and stuff. I didn't know I didn't realize that you was right there. Uh we actually didn't gonna be uh, Yeah. And we uh we actually gonna be down there uh before the film festival all the people in the rainbow coalition uh march 30th to april 3rd uh we're gonna be showing a lot of films we're gonna have a uh we're gonna fr- show the first rainbow coalition uh uh judas and the black messiah uh, uh uh we're gonna have a panel discussion i'm gonna bring some spoken word artists some rap artists uh a What's painter and all that stuff there so it's gonna be a <laughs> it's gonna be a nice little event <laughs>
0: yeah I'll definitely uh, make yeah, it out. That sounds, that sounds awesome. Yeah. Too bad I'm yeah, all in Arizona. You might better to start working with
2: him directly, uh, uh, uh Josh. hmm Why, why, why you reading a person book like him? Actually being able to pull up and <laughs> ain't that something? Ain't that surreal? <laughs> yeah. <laughs>
0: <laughs> that is, that is really <laughs> wild.
2: Like,
0: yeah. do you see me
2: over
1: here? I'm like, dude. You could take the week off from work, and we could drive the <laughs> over there. I mean, actually, <laughs>
0: if I can make the PTO happen, I don't know how much I'll have by then. But yeah, I mean, if I if I can take the time off, I'm totally down.
3: And is that on a weekend?
2: Do you know, Kwame? Um, uh, uh, I I I never even because it's a couple months off. I never looked it up. I'll have was, I had to check that. That was March thirtieth to uh, April the third.
0: So that yeah, is have Wednesday, Wednesday through uh, Sunday. Okay. Okay. So even
2: if you uh can't come through the week uh that weekend, uh it's still gonna be a lot of stuff going on. Cause I, yeah he lists a whole lot of films and stuff. So I don't know.
0: Okay. Uh, That's awesome. Pretty.
2: Yeah. Absolutely. Dude, hopefully, my
3: comrades can pull up. We can all meet each other yeah. in person.
0: Right. Oh, no. Hell yeah! <laughs> <laughs> uh, is there anything else that you've got going on that you want to uh, promote? Like, yeah, uh, uh, ha- had anything going on at the community center or?
2: Oh yeah. So if anyone, uh, seeing this, uh, we still trying to get the community center up and running. Uh, this is abandoned building that was abandoned for 17 years that we've been trying to rehab. Like it was totally destroyed (laughs) and, uh, dilapidated, ran down. Uh, we've been rehabbing it. Uh, we're trying to get the roof and the uh, back of it built up when that hurricane came over here, it took the roof off of the very back of it. So, uh, but yeah, if, if anyone would like to donate to uh, help of uh, the finish and the construction of that, uh, that's watching this show uh, that comes on here, uh, you can send it to you can send it to uh, uh, Cash App Panther Love, and the P and the L is capitalized to, uh, 2005, 2005. and uh, I'm I'm the director over the uh, community center, so I'm gonna be responsible of helping develop it, uh, all the way together. You know what I mean? So yeah, if you, uh, cash app, that, that it's gonna anything come to that, uh, just put it on there, uh, uh that, uh, uh, community center or something like that. Uh, and I know that that's where the donation goes, uh, to. So I appreciate that. Uh, we also, uh, let, let me, let me pitch my book real quick. since this is what I came on here to, to talk about. Uh, you can find my book, uh, you can uh, really uh, reach out to me uh, on Facebook. Uh, you can go to Kwame Shakur uh, on Facebook. Find me on there. Minister of Culture for the New African Black Panther Party. I got two Facebook pages. Just inbox me. I'll be getting some copies in uh, hopefully next week. Uh, so I'll be mailing those copies off. Uh, it's called Man Search for Meaning. Man Search for uh, I mean that Man Search for Meaning. <laughs> my uh, My Search for Answers, Truth, and Meaning. The autobiography of Kwame Shakur. And uh it's twenty dollars uh for the book. Uh uh it's like twenty five dollars uh altogether for shipping and handling. I also have uh the ebook form that's eight dollars. Uh I can send that to you anytime uh for the ebook and all the proceeds I ever get for the ebook, uh one hundred percent of that goes straight to the community center. That's my contribution to the community center. So uh yep uh appreciate uh y'all having me on uh uh very uh engaging conversation i hope a lot of people that's been watching this learned a lot from this uh sorry that i got a couple phone calls probably messed up the stream (laughs) a little bit but
0: (laughs) yeah man it's all good um i want to thank you again for coming on i've been enjoying your book so far and um like I said, at the beginning of the stream, we'll have the, the link to the Zoom meeting for your book reading in the description of the video. Um, okay. That is Monday and Thursday at 7 Eastern? Yep, 7 okay.
2: p.m. Eastern time. Uh, Monday, uh, and uh, that'll be uh, every Monday and Thursday for the next about three months. Like pretty much leading up to us coming down to Alabama. By the time we come down to Alabama we'll probably already we'll be just finishing it up. <laughs> I'll get to see you too. Well what'd yeah. you say? I said I'll get to see you.
0: Oh yeah, yeah. Well, you'll definitely. be in my city. <laughs> Absolutely.
2: <laughs>
0: That's exciting though, really. Yeah what uh what what's taking you guys to alabama i mean i know the film festival but like is it something that already goes on there or is it something you're doing there
2: uh this is uh was i uh the ideal uh that high thurman uh he his organization nasa north uh alabama school for organizers is down there uh so um uh, he's gonna he he uh decided to put this event together so uh i i was like well we might as well make this our first national event where all the people in the rainbow coalition at least uh some of the leadership we can all meet uh down there uh and 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 and, you know uh fellowship and have a good time learn a lot from each other uh uh we supposed to even have a panel discussion possibly with a lot of the original black panthers and, and and different uh leaders of the uh of the 60s with our generation second rainbow coalition so you had the first rainbow coalition second rainbow coalition uh uh speaking about uh you know just just the way forward and and how how we want to uh build this movement going forward
1: I'm curious, I have to ask, rewind a second. You said North Alabama School for Organizers. There's yes. a fucking school for building revolutionaries.
2: Am yeah, yeah. You? Yeah. yeah. Uh, if you go to YouTube, uh <laughs> High has a couple uh 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 he got a couple of different interviews that he did on there. And I'm glad you brought that up. Cause uh January the eleventh next week. <laughs> and I promoted on my Facebook page, uh, he's having a fireside chat with Fury, uh, which is one of the organizations that's a feminist revolutionary organization that's a part of the Second Rainbow Coalition. Uh, he's going to be doing a fireside chat with them. So you can learn about that coalition members uh, of ours. Uh, and then two weeks after that, I want to say that's, uh and these are on Wednesdays. So uh, if that's on the 11th. Then I want to say it's like the 28th. It's like the last Wednesday of the, of January. Uh okay. he's gonna be sitting down with um, the representatives for the Brown Berets. And uh okay. they're gonna be having a fireside chat with uh High Thurman so you can learn about uh that uh coalition member that's also a part of our uh second rainbow coalition as well. Fuck yeah. That's awesome. And that's uh, that'll be seven seven p.m central time if i'm not mistaken but i'll put i'll make sure i put that on my facebook page so you can let your viewers know uh when that's up but uh i, I would say the only last thing uh pretty soon uh uh throughout the week we're always going to have something going on uh with naso uh north american uh, uh north alabama school for organizer uh you can look up their website and uh you can probably put this in uh there. it's n a s o Dot network. Uh, that's the website. You can just go click on the calendar, see what's going on for the week. And uh, more and more throughout the week, uh, you'll have people on there like Shaka Zulu is going to be on there doing political education uh, January 16th all the way uh, up to March, I want to say 6, every Sunday at 3 p.m. Eastern time. So you can always click on there and uh, be educated by some of the people in the movement or uh, some of the professors that's a part of our uh, movement, some of the uh, lawyers. I'm not going to give up any names yet, but uh, we got somebody that's coming on board that everybody's going to be excited about. Uh, He's a lawyer. Uh, that we're going to be bringing into our coalition you know what i mean uh so i think y'all uh gonna be presently surprised uh really surprised who this person is and how much he can actually uh uh educate us about the 60s and that part of the struggle that he was a part of and still is a part of
0: today you know what i mean so uh yeah tune in yeah yeah sounds awesome um of course, I'm going to extend an invite. You can come back whenever you want. <laughs> Honestly, um, just <laughs> let us know when you got something you want to uh, talk about or promote, and um, you know we'll schedule something up. We'd Sounds also good. like to uh, to uh, talk to Chairman Zulu at some point, but I haven't even like okay. talked to him on Facebook yet, so I should probably yeah. do that first. <laughs> yeah
2: well i mean i can set that up uh anytime y'all ready for that uh i can definitely directly link y'all up and uh he'll be he actually wanted to come on uh to speak uh uh soon so whenever y'all ready for him i can definitely get that set up for y'all as well
0: awesome thank you that'd be awesome thanks yeah.
2: yeah all right well with uh with that said uh i hope uh uh, y'all keep on doing the same work y'all doing I think this is a good thing that y'all doing This book reading uh, thing uh, uh, With this group uh, Hopefully it keeps on growing and growing Because this is the whole, we gotta be the ones to educate each other So I salute y'all for right. that you know? We also um, do
0: um, Our current event streams on Tuesdays which we kinda Things that we've noticed happen Throughout the week you know we try to Like dismantle the media Narrative and kinda like Give a more leftist view i guess Uh of uh what's going on and that that's always pretty fun too um yeah i don't know i just wanted to throw that Mm -hmm. out those are on tuesday nights Um, okay shameless self-promotion i guess (laughs) (laughs) but those are at uh eight eastern on tuesday nights we've been doing that since Well, they were originally on Wednesdays, and the first time where we got the idea from uh, was January 6th. That's why we did the anniversary stream yesterday. Right, right. And uh, which, I mean, like, basically we were all in Zoom, I think it was, already, um, (coughs) like, screen sharing and watching the streams. Like, is this fucking seriously happening right now? And then, like, they get in, and they're not even, like, I don't even want to call that an insurrection. That shit wasn't Mm -hmm, an insurrection, man. But (laughs) no, anyway, like talking shit about fucking Trump supporters was pretty much uh, our first stream. So we kind of kept the the tradition going. Um, And um, I don't know, we've. I guess we talked about that in the anniversary stream yesterday, but we, we've covered a, a lot of shit over the last year, like the farmers uprising in India. Um, man, like seeing seeing millions of people storm a fucking government facility with tractors, there's just something empowering yeah. about that. You know right. what I'm saying? Mm-hmm. <laughs> well, that wasn't even really in the mainstream right. media either. No, right. not at all. <laughs> we were we were using live feeds from like South China Post.
1: <laughs>
0: <laughs> That's yeah. Sad. Anyway, um, I want to thank you again for coming on. Though I've been really enjoying your book so far, and um, I'm actually probably gonna read it when we're done with this. <laughs> so. Okay. <laughs> um, Hell yeah. yeah, buy it. Uh, my search for answers, truth, and meaning. The autobiography of Kwame Shakur, and that's on Absolutely. Amazon as well, right? Yeah, that's on Amazon. Uh,
2: only thing on Amazon, you got to go to Amazon and put Shakur, comma, Kwame, and then it'll pop up. I guess they ain't got that figured out yet.
0: <laughs> that's funny, but, but okay,
2: yeah. But you can always buy from me, and uh, yeah, and uh and i always be diligent and get it uh, to you wherever
0: you are. Yeah. I mean, uh, you sent (laughs) our copies out like the next day and we had them. Well, like I think Josh got his the day before we did, which makes sense in Arizona, Uh, (laughs) but like the estimated delivery date was like six days and then it was like three days and we all had them. Yeah, (laughs) (laughs) yeah, definitely.
3: Definitely get it through Kwame. Uh, don't use amazon if you don't have you know if you don't have to definitely get it through right. him
2: absolutely shut out mm-hmm. jeff bezos <laughs> right right, right. back right. to the struggle i even uh i just make this one uh the the publisher that uh published my book Revolutionary too so i went through a revolutionary organization uh they independent so yeah we're keeping it all in the struggle as most as much as possible <laughs>
1: oh yeah
2: that's awesome definitely mm-hmm. Well, uh, it's a pleasure coming on. I know my phone about to die. (laughs) Fair enough. (laughs) enough. (laughs) All right. But it was a pleasure coming on. uh, uh, Speaking to you, Rob, Trish, and Josh, uh, I definitely will be back, you know, uh, but i make sure Shaka is going to be to come on here to speak to y'all so y'all can uh, learn even more about the New African Black Panther Party. He's the co-founder of this. Any question y'all want to know about the New African Black Panther Party and our history, he's the guy to
0: talk to. Mm-hmm. Awesome, right? Yeah, yeah. Thank you. that's awesome. For um, being here, man. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> <laughs> uh, fuck what was I gonna say? Oh, yeah, I will see you Monday. That's what I was gonna say.
2: Oh, yeah, yeah, uh, on the book. Yeah, be the, on the uh book Monday, 7 p.m. I'll be there time. too. Absolutely, bring all your friends, whatever, because you know it's gonna get deeper and deeper. And I think it's a lot of people, going. as you can see. Like I try to really dig deep, and I try to open up the conversation to uh, for us to learn from each other. You know what I mean? Uh, I don't oh, look yeah. at I, I look at a, revo- I, a I'm a revolutionary to believe that being a revolutionary is also being humble and recognizing there ain't no superstars and celebrities mm-hmm. in this. It actually takes us collectively right. to solve this problem. You know what I mean? Absolutely. Well and learning from each other one of us. is so mm-hmm. absolutely important
1: to this because there's always something left to learn if you're still breathing guess what you should still be learning especially from each other because we have different experiences and knowledge bases that we can all bring to the table and share of
2: absolutely absolutely that
1: right there it's so fucking important that's that's why we started doing this stuff because we have such an appreciation for that education right there you know? And
0: the funny thing is, is like over the time that we've been doing this, we just like realized how much, how much we still had to learn to know nothing at right. all. Well. <laughs> right, right. right. <laughs> yeah.
2: And and, and this going to mess you up. I still feel that way. I, even as much as I could talk about. I listen to Tom Watts and I'm like, man, I need to read about a thousand more books. <laughs> right. yeah. yeah. He's got a lot of
3: wisdom
0: yeah, yeah. And, and every time that he makes a post it's like you know that long and it's like just packed and every time right. that i read one of his posts i'll end up having to like you know go back and reread it because there's no way that you can like absorb all of that <laughs> right, right yeah, <laughs> yeah
1: right. it's
0: it's almost like reading marks like it's super dense
1: yeah, right, right, just yeah. Like, <laughs> like, wait, Rewind and unpack <laughs> <Yeah>. all
0: this <laughs> Right, right and
2: Yeah, well I'm going to let y'all go uh Before my phone die But uh all right, pretty, all pleasure right. being on here And uh with that said You know, all power to the people
0: All power to the people All power to the people
2: All right, now, y'all have a good night
0: You, you too? too Thank you, you too. I should have had this pulled up already.
1: You music, ain't you? <laughs>
0: yeah. Like I said, I should have, I should have had that pulled up already. But it's
3: okay. Yeah, we had technical difficulties.
0: <laughs> there we go. Thank you again for joining us tonight. Uh, we will see you um, on Tuesday. 8 p.m. Eastern. We're still have got to find freedom on
2: This absolute It doesn't matter when sold the soldier's double gun. It doesn't matter when the creator's